back to Judging Book Covers, your bi-weekly book club podcast where we help our guests go through our to-be-read list. Although today is not a guest, this was definitely on my to-be-read list. <laughs> I'm Stephanie Cortez, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Megan Griffin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, getting over a cold. It's oh, terrible. No. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, because of course, it's been over oh, about a week, and I was like, okay, good because Chris has been sleeping in the living room he's fine today he wakes up with a sore throat it's like oh god no <laughs> yeah get it out of your house yeah that is the point where if you still have a cough after a week they tell you you're supposed to go see the doctor but like what are they gonna do right what are they gonna tell you right you just have to wait drink lots of fluids I've been doing that <laughs> don't do too much exercise I have like, absolutely that's... not been <laughs> <laughs> oh I stupidly worked out Monday morning because that's a little over a week since my last yeah. uh, round of treatment. So I was like, okay, let's do this. We're doing something low impact. Mm-hmm. Only 20 minutes. Well, I know <laughs> either my irons dropped so low that it's causing me to have trouble breathing oh, or God. I have a very bad chest cold that the prednisone is suppressing. <laughs> So I have to go back to taking prednisone while I sleep so that I can actually sleep. Okay. So it's been fun two days. I started exercising too soon. Yeah, no more working out. Put that on nope. the back burner. <laughs> Give it an, a, at least another week. So. Gotcha. Especially if it's supposed to snow. Ugh. I, That's yeah. Not how I'm going to do my first round of running outside in, in so many months. Absolutely but. not. <laughs> Ooh, so. Excuse me. You mentioned this is on your. This was on your uh, to be read list. Yep. How did it get there, and how long has it been there? So we read *The Alienist* by Caleb Carr, and it's been on my list probably, probably for about a year ish. Okay. It's kind of just on there. It's a book that um, Chris had read, and he really liked it. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll give that a shot." And it was kind of one of those things of, "Oh, it's on the bookshelf. I have it here. I'll read it at some point." And then just kind of never did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even when the show came out, uh, the show which I meant to look up. Um, I think it was like a mini series that came out. Was it this year or last year? Uh, I believe it, I think it was, this was this year, but it was very early this year. Um, yes, early this year. And um, Chris was excited for it because obviously he'd read the book. Right. Um, so he watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, as before this show came out. Um, in January came out. I was like, oh, maybe I'll read the book before that. And then that didn't happen. So yeah, it's been on my list for more than a year. <laughs> so maybe now I'll go back and watch the show. I do wonder if it's on a... T- Does TNT have like a streaming site or something? I have no idea. Uh, oh, I don't know either. Google watched show. Mm. Yeah, it looks like YouTube from $1.99. Google Play from $1.99. And Amazon yeah. Prime, $2.99. <laughs> I'll find it eventually. Find a way. Yeah, it would be nice. He might what? have added it to our... It might be recorded. I don't know if he ever added it to our shows. If he did, then it's on there. And I can just watch it that okay. way. But we'll see. I'll there, investigate. There's, <clears throat> the second season is supposed to be coming out soon. Uh, that's based on the second book. Yeah. Which I didn't particularly find the summary to be like enticing. But... My understanding, Chris, said that it's from the perspective of Stevie... That's all I yeah. know. Which there's this there's one part of the book where I was like, yeah, Stevie, how'd that situation go down? It's when our <laughs> the person telling our story passes out and 
like it through a haze sees Stevie coming to rescue him essentially and I'm like yeah what happened there yeah. Stevie I want to know <laughs> so yeah I might read okay, that so you, too you can watch all of the show through the TNT app if uh, you have cable I don't well just having my dad's direct TV password count I was about to say if you can use my cable account if you need we have been able to watch so much stuff. This is how we finished Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because my boss brought in the first uh, DVD or Blu-ray. And I was like, oh, okay, she was going to rewatch them. So I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to wait for her to give them back. My dad was like, no, no, no. <laughs> watch the show so we can talk about it. Here's my password. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, that's the only one. Nobody, I don't have somebody's HBO password. But yeah. I do give out mine because... Uh, Especially for Doctor Who, mm. I know that there's at least four people that have it just to watch Doctor I need Who. To wa- I need to give. So. I need to watch that. <clears throat> yes, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh. So I didn't really know what this book was about. <laughs> I just knew Chris liked it. And he probably told me a little bit about it, but right. um, I knew it was a work of historical fiction, which I like it's from the other yes. Boleyn girl. Um, this one is set in 1896, New York. And it's told uh, from the uh, from the perspective of John Shiler Moore. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. It's a newspaper reporter. I couldn't figure out if it's Shiler or Skyler. Skyler. Like, I was going to say Skyler sisters. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the summary from the back of the book. Let's see. He's summoned by his friend, Doctor. I'm probably going to say this wrong. Laszlo Keis- Chrysler. Chrysler. Yeah. yeah. A psychologist or alienist to view the horribly mutilated body of an adolescent boy abandoned on the unfinished Williamsburg Bridge. From there, the two men embark on a revolutionary effort in criminology, creating a psychological profile of the perpetrator based on the details of his crimes. Their dangerous quest takes them into the tortured past and twisted mind of a murderer who will kill again before their hunt is over. So it's a very Sherlocky sounding. Yeah. Did yours in the cover? Let's see. This is the same cover that you have. No, I unfortunately have the TV show tie-in, uh-uh. uh, which I hate. I but do that's too. What I hate the, that the TV that's shows what and the, the movies. <laughs> yes, fortunately, that is what the ebook has. Gosh. And I was trying to. So you have the actual cover cover, mm-hmm. um, which I just want to enlarge it. Thank oh. you. Uh, here we go. So looking at it. Because it's more interesting than the, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got Luke Evans, you got uh, the dude who I can't remember, the German dude playing Dr. Keisler, Kreisler, yeah. and, and Dakota Fanning, who oh, right. is all grown up. <laughs> uh, but this one, I guess it's like set to look like an old picture. Mm-hmm. And see the carriages, the horse-drawn carriages in the background. Yeah. And kind of a shadowy... It kind of reminded me of The Exorcist, like that shot, like from outside, from behind. What's his name when he goes up to the house for the first time, just because yes. all black or it's all dark, you know, <clears throat> clothing. Yeah, it's not really like telling us who it's supposed to be, right? But uh, and then you have the gold-plated alienist, <coughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was I was very bummed that. Yeah. I got the movie tie-in. It looks too new. <clears throat> too modern. But, uh... But, yeah, no, I am curious enough about the show. Uh, it looks like this was published first in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Which, uh... Seemed a little weird to me. Like... 
I don't know how to explain. Like, I figured it was newer than that, or much much so older. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was newer than that. Uh, did yours have the afterword that talked about how Caleb Carr came to write this book? A little bit, yeah. I didn't read it. But. I did read it, and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Tell me about it. Basically, he wrote a lot of nonfiction. He wrote for historical journals. He wrote books, a book about American security policy, so nonfiction was his genre. And he really wanted to tell this story, like this fiction, obviously fictional <laughs> work, um, but right. he knew his editor wasn't going to want him to kind of like change out of that nonfiction realm. <clears throat> so he decided to basically pretend that this actually happened and to pitch it that way. But he went so far as to create an image of Theodore Roosevelt and a, a man who he said was Dr. Kreitzler. <laughs> oh, no. Sitting and talking so that he could pitch it as, so this is them and this is what happened and these murders that maybe you didn't hear about, but this is like it was a real thing. So he pitched it to his agent first, who totally fell for it, fell with the picture and everything. Um, he does talk about before how this is obviously before he could just pop online and get the image to Obviously. put together. <clears throat> so his agent was like, are you sure this is how you want to pitch this to your editor? Is she going to laugh this off when she finds out? <laughs> um, he's like, nope, this is what I'm doing. So he delivers it with the picture. The editor's on board. Um, and then he says he wants to tell it in a novel form and not like a like textbook or nonfiction form right. about, you know, work. And then he says, because I made the whole thing up. <laughs> editor sat there for a few minutes and then she slammed her hand down hard on the desk and just declared god damn it nobody's ever fooled me <laughs> that's amazing i don't know if you're gonna be able to see the picture if i hold it up for you but i don't know how blurry oh my god like, yeah there's this look there's at, teddy yep and there was some dude yeah i have to look i would have to look to see who this other guy is but i am super yeah. curious i try to see who he based that on let me see <clears throat> Oh, it ended up being the composer Edvard Grieg, G-R-I-E-G. Okay. So that's who he used. But I liked that a lot. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So that's how he got to convince his editor to let him move forward with this obviously fictional work, a work of fiction. So. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, I looked a little bit into him, mm -hmm. not necessarily about the book. But uh, he was he, one of the kids. Bleh. His dad is Lucien Carr, who is like well known in the Beat Generation, mm -hmm. um, and was the editor for the United Press International. And uh, most of my apprehensive uh, my apprehension about this book is the fact that content warning, like we are about to mm. talk a lot about rape and murder of children, yes. specifically. Um, boy prostitutes mm -hmm. <clears throat> but when i was reading about caleb carr um he talks a lot about how he was actually sexually assaulted and then sexually abused as a kid um and especially by like david kramer and uh i think a couple of their of the beat generation <clears throat> guys so it feels more like the this mm -hmm. writing this is a uh, cathartic mm -hmm. rather than um just another white dude writing a book about yeah. white men saving the day <clears throat> and and if Sarah had ever been a damsel in distress 
had ever had a moment of damsel in stress, <clears throat> I probably would have bounced out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm done. <laughs> so. Chris, oh, damn it. I meant to look this up before we started, but um, I thought he said that he saw that Sarah was based on maybe one of the first women to work. Yeah. In the police department, because she is one of the first ones to work in the police department, and her goal, she's a secretary, her goal is to become a detective, and she gets looped yeah. in. Um, is it uh, Ingrid Goodwin? Ingrid something? I know her last name's Goodwin. Let's see if I can find her. Isabella Godwin. Goodwin. Mm. And unfortunately, like, because I instantly went, okay, where can I find the books about her? And there's not. There is a, like... 44 page kind of like biography about her on uh, uh, Amazon like the Amazon Unlimited but she doesn't have and of course they pick like the most like unflattering picture of her of course but uh, I'm really like if anybody knows any uh, biographies or autobiographies about her I am down yeah so but yeah, that is who Sarah's supposed to be based on, which is awesome, and my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, like you, I'm very glad. There, she's not a damsel in distress at no. any point. She also saves the day at one point. I was about to say, she maybe <laughs> saves the day. Yeah. Maybe saves the boys. Um, also. But she's also not like a straight up. For lack of a better term, like straight up bitch. Yeah. About everything. Like, she's got a personality. Mm-hmm. She's trying to be, you know, a police officer, but also like a detective and, you know, working with these guys and isn't like putting any uh, kind of rift between her and these guys by like trying to prove that she's better. Yeah. She just occasionally is better. Yes. Yeah. There was, there's, we'll get to that, but there's this one part where she's presenting some information that is totally valid. And Laszlo's like, nope, this isn't why. And I'm like, you're totally doing that thing where you're letting your own personal biases come in. Yes. And she was a hundred percent right. A thousand percent right. (laughs) Oh. I also did read a little bit about Kayla Carr's dad. Did you read anything about him? Uh, just that he was of the beat generation and like, um, that he, he, he actually died only like 10 years ago. Um, but, and maybe he tried to kill someone. He did kill someone. He oh, said, he did kill someone. <coughs> oh, okay. He said that, um, basically this guy, um, was coming on to him, rebuffed him. And then one night he makes another advance, um, and then tries to assault him physically so uh lucian stabs him with a boy scout knife then though he this says that he tied the assailant's hands and feet wrapped belt the belt around his arms weighted the body and dumped it in the hudson river yeah okay that's a lot of effort yeah which i was like did you did you have to do all that (laughs) um he does eventually i think confess and actually he was hanging out with kerouac before that and then after right. that i think he goes to kerouac and i think kerouac actually he gets charged with like being an accessory or something 
Jeez. This is all before Caleb Carr was born. Um, he serves two years and then gets out. What was he sentenced to? One okay, sentenced to one to twenty, serves two years, and then is released. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, I'm reading this on Good or Wikipedia. He wasn't deaf mute, was he? Mm. Or were they pretending to be? On August thirteenth, nineteen forty-four, Carr and Kerouac attempted and failed to ship out of New York to France on a merchant ship, aiming to fulfill a fantasy of Walking across France in character as a Frenchman and a deaf mute friend. Okay, no, so he was not yeah, actually no. deaf mute. Okay, okay. It seemed like the guy, Camerer, uh, Cam- I think is the name of the guy that he killed. That um, that he was pursuing Lucien, basically. Okay. Yeah. And he kind of, or at least he's his. He keeps saying that he rebuffed him. He would never. Had sex with him. Nothing like that ever happened. Gotcha. Oh, this is the Daniel Radcliffe movie. <clears throat> what Daniel Radcliffe movie? Kill Your Darlings. It's like uh, five years old. I think is all about this. Oh. Radcliffe played Ginsburg. Michael C. Hall played uh, Kramer. All right. So, or Kramer. We have something we're going to watch later then. <laughs> I need to see this. How did it do? Oh, yeah, it did pretty well. Yeah, I remember this coming out. So, yeah, there's a, there's a movie about this. Okay, cool. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> the movie about that. We got the Alien is TV show. <laughs> yeah, we're set. This snow's coming in. We're going to be nice and warm and watching plenty of movies. Actually, at some point, I have to clean my fucking apartment. <laughs> um, so, this book is set up as a flashback. Yes. Because, and that confused the crap out of me. Because <laughs> I don't think I paid attention to the year in the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, Theodore is dead. And then it was like, just kidding, Theodore's alive. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they call him Theodore through the whole book, I always went, who's Theodore? <laughs> because I have almost always known him as Teddy yeah. Roosevelt. So. Yeah. this book is very dense it's (laughs) long there's a lot (laughs) like yes this guy clearly knows his history um a lot of detail a lot of detail yeah i'm not gonna lie i chapter six was very very hard like it's the first like true exponential exponential is that the right word? <clears throat> yeah. Dump of a chapter. And it's kind of like when... It's when everybody kind of finally comes together. That You know, they got the brothers. They've got Sarah. Okay. And we're kind of talking about everything that happened three years ago and all that stuff. And yeah. it just is such... Just a dump of information. And I'm just like, okay. Okay. It's a lot. So yeah. trying to... Like, make notes about this was like, let's. I'm not even halfway through and I'm done with one sheet of paper already. And I have to. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this is one of the few books uh, that are around 500 pages that we've read yes. this year. Yeah. So. so, lucky for me being sick, I finished it fairly quickly because <laughs> I was just in bed. <laughs> 
Yep. That was me today. <clears throat> yep. And then I started, then I was reading Dracula. I actually watched Dracula with Chris the other night. I've never seen it. And now Yay. I can't not read Dracula and hear Keanu Reeves. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least you picked a good Dracula. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. <clears throat> All right. So where to dive in? Guess with Giorgio Santorelli. March 3rd. 1896. Moore is, so he's a, he was a police reporter for the New York Times. In the middle of the night, he gets called, like someone comes banging on the door, and it's Stevie, who we've mentioned, who is going to probably make me read the sequel, just because it's Stevie. I do like Stevie. Yeah. Um, he's got a, Laszlo wants him to go somewhere with Stevie. He has no idea what's going on. It's the middle of the night. So he goes, and he realizes he's been brought to a crime scene. And it's a young boy who has been mutilated. Yeah. His eyes were missing, which they put to being rats or vermin yep. having been done. And I was like, you know, I know they didn't have <clears throat> the benefits of science that we have now, but the rats only focused on the eyes. Really, guys? Really? Rats don't discriminate. Right. And what, how is the rest of the body okay? Yeah. Um, I really quickly want to talk about Stevie, like his background's fascinating. Like he, yes. uh, so Chrysler is a child psychologist and kind of creates a safe haven for a bunch of kids who have had a like bad past. I can't remember Stevie's off the top of my head. Did he, Stevie murdered someone, right? Stevie, um, didn't murder someone. He was basically a thief and pickpocket by the age of 10. Okay. And then a guard tried to assault him. So Stevie fought back. And that guard. Cyprus that murdered someone then? Yeah, Cyrus. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I know Um, one of the two did. I got a whole section about the, like, basically Laszlo's, like, loyal following of the, the kids now, young adults. Um, that he basically right. helped save. Because uh, basically the court, because the guard was married, he's got kids. They're like, what is this kid lying and trying to say that this guy tried to rape him? Um, and Chrysler testifies about basically how Stevie's childhood kind of helped shape him and affected him. And then he basically offered to take him in and kind of vouch for any of his future yeah. actions. And he completely turns his way. Yep. Yeah. Still smokes. Except for that he, uh, he still smokes. <laughs> And he gambles on behalf of Moore. Yeah. (laughs) Which, okay. (laughs) Right. And then Cyrus, um, he's young. Actually, I don't know how old he is. Young man. Young, uh, fairly young. I don't know because they definitely, they definitely age him up in the TV show. Oh, okay. So, so I was a little bit confused. (laughs) He's a guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's the bodyguard. So he's at least a little bit older. Maybe. Yeah. He, um, his parents, he watched them killed in the draft riots of 1863. He was taken in by his uncle who had a brothel, um, where a lot of young black women worked. And a drunk cop was assaulting a worker with lots of colorful language. Cyrus is also mm-hmm. black. Um, so Cyrus went, and I think he got maybe a meat cleaver or a knife from the kitchen and killed that guy. So yeah. enter Chrysler again. And basically Cyrus and Stevie, very loyal to him. Yeah. And yeah. 
And then the third one is Mary. She was thought by her family to be dumb. She couldn't, she was, she didn't really speak. So her mom basically just said, okay, you're just good for the domestic stuff, whatever. And then all of a sudden one day, Mary chains her dad to a bed and sets the house on fire and kills him. So (laughs) Christa comes in again and he finds out that she can under, she understands everything. It's just basically part, the parts of her brain for speech are damaged. So she can't speak as quickly as you and I or convey things as easily. Um, so she kind of takes care of the house. Um, yeah. Did her dad do something to her? Yes. And then that's okay. when Kreitzer found out that's that he, the dad had been assaulting her for years, yeah. basically, I think up to that point where she finally snapped and was like done. <clears throat> yeah. So in the TV show, she uses sign language in the book. She's just, oh. she's straight up mute. She does talk. Like, I think she, she talks in the book a little like, bit, but it's more like, yes, yeah. no. She doesn't really Thank you. elaborate. Yeah. yeah, it's usually, yeah. But she understands everything Yeah, that you say to her. Um, so, yeah, those are the the kind of secondary characters that are need to know. Yeah. And just kind of a quick, like, understand of who Chrysler is before we dive too far into this. But yeah. back to the Williamsburg Bridge. Yes. <sighs> so poor... Giorgio Santorelli. And also, I feel like the first couple chapters more is just like, why am I here? What is happening? Yes. I have no idea what my life is right now. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, like, unlike Shakespeare, Shakespeare, uh, Sherlock and, um, I can't think who of Sherlock's counterpoint is, Watson, who's like, we get some background the TV show obviously has a little bit more background, especially on Watson. We get background on Chrysler and more. Mm-hmm. Like, that Moore is shunned from his family, everybody but his grandmother, mm-hmm. and that Chrysler had a really unhappy in his first generation. I think American. so, yeah. <clears throat> no, he may have come over as well. I don't. Oh, maybe. He's, he's German. Yeah. In some way. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, Moore has no idea what he's doing right. at first. And they all went to school together, right? Chrysler, Moore, and Roosevelt. Yep. They introduced each other. Moore introduced Chrysler and Roosevelt in, at, uh, Harvard. Yes. yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so Chrysler's not there either, which I was kind of expecting him to be there <laughs> because right. Stevie comes saying, the doctor says you have to come now. <laughs> right. Um, Roosevelt's there, um, and he's and a cop. Yes, right? there's uh, Connor. One of the he's ah. he's kind of an important cop. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. later. Um, so Roosevelt's there. Connor's there. Moore has no idea what he's doing there. He tells him Chrysler wanted him there, but Roosevelt says I haven't spoken to him in years. So I think Roosevelt sort of starts to, to form the picture in his mind about what's going to happen or, you know, what Chrysler's thinking. So he says, bring him to my office tomorrow. We'll talk. And he seems very excited. Moore still has no yeah. idea. No idea what he's, yeah. what is happening. <laughs> no. He's like, okay, cool. We're going to do lunch together with friends. Yeah. Yay. He's very much kind of like sort of the reader at that point of like, yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and when him and Chrysler go the next day, 
That's where we first meet Sarah. Yes. Um, we also meet Paul Kelly, who is basically this criminal overseer, we'll say. <laughs> Him and his gang rule a certain section of New York. And Are they downtown? Um, let's see. I wrote Broadway and the Bowery and then 14th to City Hall. Yep. Okay. So roughly the Blake Tribeca area. Yeah. To, yeah. And, to downtown. And then James T. Biff Ellison, um, who I believe runs the house where Giorgio was working at the time right. of his murder. Uh, Parisis Hall, I believe it's called. Right. And it's worth noting, Connor and the cops were just kind of like, more of like, a, well, they got their comeuppance. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Right. To them. And also calling Giorgio like, it instead of him, because yes. he was also, he had makeup on and I believe a dress. Yes. He was going yeah. by <clears throat> Gloria. Gloria. Yeah. So... And Moore knows Sarah previously as well. Yes. So. And actually proposed to her at one point. And I believe she threw him in the river for it. Yes. Because <laughs> we like <Yes>. Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I can't get a read on <clears throat> if she's if we're supposed to take her as 100% career driven. Mm-hmm. Or if we're supposed to just take it as she truly is asexual or aromantic and has no interest yeah um which is not to say that those are mutually exclusive yeah so sarah's just fascinating yes and i when we get to the point of roosevelt's gonna send one of his trusted people i'm like it's gotta be sarah it's gotta be sarah yes (laughs) (laughs) oh so when kreitzler moore and roosevelt talk um Chrysler ends up telling them about two young children, two siblings who were found dead in a water tower, mutilated with their eyes missing. And basically they decide that they are going to, or he's going to, he, they are going to investigate this off books. There's a lot of corruption in the police department and they want to make sure that this stays as small a group as possible of people that Roosevelt actually trusts. And uh, Moore is going to be Laszlo's assistant. Twitch Moore's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the reasoning is sound because he was a police reporter. He knows the criminal activities of the city. He knows where to go, who to talk to. So he decides exactly. to join. <clears throat> Although Moore is concerned at one point at, during this conversation about Roosevelt using an alienist um, in this investigation because basically they're looking for an, any excuse to fire Roosevelt to get him out of there since he is cracking down on the corruption. So yeah. they decide they're not going to meet at that office anymore. You know, they're going to keep it very out of people's eyes, basically out of, out of sight. I never can remember if I'm supposed to love Theodore Roosevelt or not. <laughs> like when it comes to him being a, a president slash, you know, everything else he did. Cause like, he was Republican, but I think it was before, like, the Republican Party really switched to mm. what it is now. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know. As a person, I really like Theodore Roosevelt. I like his use here. I feel like it's a little heavy in the beginning. And uh, when they finally, like, get a team and have him step away, mm-hmm. so much better. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then when they leave the meeting, this is where I was like, oh dear. Um, they get in their carriage and there is a, like a little package or parcel that's basically blood and excrement. Yeah. And more can see that it's, there's text. It's, it's some type of writing and it looks kind of like an article that either Kreitzer would read or write, write. And we find out later that he, it's one of his articles. Kreitzer gets it out of the, out of the carriage and it's, you know, just whatever. But that's where I was like, oh, are we being watched? (laughs) (laughs) And I did spend as their investigation goes on. I've, this is part of why I really like the book is that I spent a good chunk of time just being very worried about them. <laughs> a little fearful that they're going to get home one day and, oh, the killer's sitting on their couch. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts with, like, how they structure some of the, the mm. things that they do and <clears throat> don't do for safety reasons. Yeah. I, yeah. Safety reasons. <laughs> I just, I, I know that it's not today and the precautions people would take now. But... <laughs> Okay, but they essentially, due to some stuff that's about to happen, open up a new office to do all their research and stuff mm-hmm. because, like, Chrysler's place isn't safe enough. But it's not like Moore's leaving his grandmother's house. Like, he goes home to sleep in his own bed occasionally right. Right. and, like, isn't leaving her a bodyguard or anything. Right. and. And so it's like... Or any of them. They all go home yeah. to wherever they so live. It's, <clears throat> it's like, okay, cool. Your your office isn't safe, but yeah, your house is there. They're, they're yeah. fine. We're yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so. Next, we meet two trusted detectives, actual detectives, <laughs> Lucius and Marcus Isaacson. I believe Lucius is detective sergeant and Marcus is sergeant. It's very important. <laughs> Don't introduce us as brothers. Yes. Stop doing that. Or to my bro- like, don't introduce me like that. Like, don't forget my title. Yeah. <clears throat> and Chrysler basically puts them through a test. Um, he has them look at the remains of the brother and sister who were found in that water tower, and he wants to see what they find. Um, and then I think it's while they're doing that is when Moore and Sarah go to the Santarelli home. Yes. Which was one of my safety guys. Why are you not telling people yep. where you're going? <laughs> tell the group where you're going. You have phones. <laughs> Call someone and tell them. Anyone. Anyone. I really kind of want to watch the show just to see how Marcus <clears throat> and Lucius are oh, portrayed. Yeah. Because, like, they're Jewish. Because at first it's like, you know, do you know why we picked you? And they're like, because we're Jewish. And it's like, no, <laughs> no. And then they're like, because my name is this, and it's because they were reading Julius Caesar, and yep. then my brother came along, and they're still reading Julius Caesar, and they're like, okay, no, stop. They're like, yeah. this isn't why we called you here. And I think one of the brothers so. is like, I told you they wouldn't want to hear that, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they're new to the police force, but also, like, I don't know. They're they're good at what given they the do. Time, they're definitely good at what they do, yeah. but given the time, they're definitely social, socially awkward. Um, but yeah, now let's go to the Santorellis. Oh, God. So they go to, which is not a great neighborhood. Um, yeah. Most of New York is not a great neighborhood yeah. in this time. Yes. And basically they find out that Detective Sergeant Connor, who was at the Williamsburg Bridge the night before, um, another cop, I think, named Casey, um, 
two other men and two priests, so six people total, had gone to their house and given the parents money, claiming it was for Giorgio's burial, but then also for silence. That they didn't want them talking to cops, they didn't want to talk to journalists, no one. Um, the dad so basically threw the money in their face and then got roughed up, which Sarah helped like set his arm and clean him up and, and stuff. Um, she used to be a nurse. Right. And then they end up getting chased out of there by two thugs, which is why you need to tell people where you're going. Exactly. Yeah. Two thugs that were ex-cops, if I remember correctly? Yes, because... The people who lived around that building didn't want Cyrus to go in because they don't like black people, but they hate ex-cops even more. So they went and followed those ex-cops, and basically that's how they got, how Moore and Sarah got away is because the people who live there intervened because they don't like ex-cops. God. Bad neighborhoods. Yep. Uh, Oh, and then they... Then they oh, have... they also so they leave the brothers and they're like, do this and then um, we'll buy you dinner yes. or I'll give you dinner and they're like, which kind of, I looked okay. up. Okay, was it Delmonico's? Yes. Which I was like, is that still there? I really want to go eat there now. <laughs> is it? I looked it up and I feel like a few a few like was it a couple different ones popped up? They owned a few restaurants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so steak. yeah, like I guess they were expecting like a home cooked meal, and it's like no, 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 no. I really enjoyed the, the like so you can get this in an audiobook abridged form, which I haven't. I'm curious because it's only like four hours, which is not um, what this is. <laughs> the no, one that we have is 500 pages. It's more than. Four. But there's a very long description about. Um, what's really funny is I was sitting here going, when did Americans start like doing restaurant eating? Yeah. And it's Delmonico's and there's like, you know, that's how it started and how it kind of expanded out through the, uh, country and according to their website, the Delmonico brothers opened the first fine dining restaurant in the country in 1837. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But, like, I loved the description of the food, too, of just this course and that course. And the, the brothers being like, is there an end to this? Act? Is there actually an end to this? Yes. And it was like, as long as you keep figuring stuff out. Basically. keep eating. <laughs> um, and essentially, they pass the test because they provide a lot of fi- sound findings. Um, yes. I did find it interesting, too, where... Let's see if I can find it. I think it was towards the end of their um, findings. They're talking about fingerprint. Hmm? I think I walked by Delmonico on a regular basis. I think this is like down near where I work. I didn't actually look to see where it was. I just looked it up. I'm fairly certain. So you could have been eating there all this time. Oh, God, no. This, I'm looking at the steak one where it's like, um, we pricey. So a treat, a definite, yeah, definitely a treat yourself. Yeah. I think we looked at it and went for sushi instead. <laughs> when a... When my parents were, or my stepdad was in town, if I remember correctly. Which is a little understandable. Yes, it is. Yep. 
this is definitely a, I'm treating myself and it's not like I just like that they just they when they go they just bring them plate after plate after plate after plate yes. yeah um, but towards the end Marcus brings up fingerprinting and which was not something that it wasn't considered like a real thing right it was it wasn't scientifically accepted um, it wasn't something that they did basically it was I just liked seeing that, like, kind of how knowing today, yes, take those fingerprints, where back then it was like, I don't know if this is really going to help us with anything, but he found a fingerprint <laughs> on, I think it was the young girl's body. It was yeah. able to, to take an image of it. After dinner, because they went to dinner at like 1130 at night. So after dinner is another one of those safety things, because Moore decides he's going to go to Parisa's Hall, where Giorgio worked. By himself. And he doesn't tell anybody. And I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, because they did the opera prior to dinner, right? Yes, him and Chrysler did the opera. And Sarah. Okay. And then they went yes. and met the brothers. And they've got all their findings and everything like that. So. <clears throat> yeah. Ellison owns this hall. Runs into Ellison there. And he says that he tell, told his editors that Ellison had nothing to do with it. Okay, fine. So he lets him go in and have a drink and whatever, which I was like, why are you trusting this? Why are you trusting this? Um, but he says not to talk to anyone. And of course he does. He goes. <laughs> and he's also, it, what's great is he like gives him his beer and is like, don't forget my hospitality. And I'm like, that beer is drugged. <laughs> like, yes. Don't take it with yes. you. He took it and then he drank it. <laughs> and he went Tom to, ass. I think he went to Giorgio's room and that's where he meets another little a boy working there who says he was friends with him, mm-hmm. but that Giorgio never left his room. He never, that he never physically left. Um, and that's when Moore starts to pass out. He realizes something's wrong. Ellison comes in and as he's passing out, he sees Stevie Taggart come in, I think with a bat with a wood with nails, on with it. nails. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, because they're, like, getting ready to not only rob him, but also potentially rape him yeah. and kill him. Mm-hmm. So. So he wakes up. He has, like, there's not kind of in it. He's in and out of it and has weird dreams. And part of his dreams are definitely things that are actually happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, but when he finally comes to, he's at 808 Broadway, which is going to be their headquarters. Um, where they're going to set up to kind of house everything and keep a big board of all their running theories and stuff like that. Um, And it is confirmed that he obviously had been drugged. But I also was like, I don't remember anyone yelling at him for going by himself and also not telling anyone where he was going. That basically the only reason Stevie was there, Cyrus tells him, is because ever since Stevie saw the body on the bridge, he's been having a hard time sleeping. So he was walking, <laughs> saw more walking towards the hall, and just decided to follow him on a whim. 808 Broadway, from what I'm gathering, is a nothing. Okay. I thought it was the costume shop. I got really excited. There's a really cool <laughs> costume shop south of uh, Union Square. It is not that. Oh. It's across the street from that. So... At this address is Godbox, Learning Solutions Online. No, it is. It's the New York Costumes. Okay. Oh, cool. cool. So, which is a cool, very large uh, costume store. So, now I have that image in their uh, 
office headquarters. Um, the next thing I have is that the next body. I don't know if the timeline had something else. Let's see. Um, basically, they kind of tell him like what's been going on. The brothers perform postmortems on two other boys, right? <clears throat> that were killed in the same way. Uh, and then they have their first meeting, where they go over a lot of psychology and articles and. It's another like just there's a lot of I can I can understand why there would be an abridged version of mm-hmm. this book. Yes. Um, not necessarily saying that it should have one, but yeah, there's a lot of psychology discussion. Yeah. So. So then there's another body that's found, another young mm-hmm. boy. Uh, his name is Ali, but I believe he was going by Fatima. So similar, dressing up with makeup and everything. Um. Our group is able to get there first because of Roosevelt and assess the scene, take pictures. The Isaacsons, I think, yeah, they're the ones who take the pictures and everything. Um, a mob. This is the one that's at, like, where they're going to put, uh, they're talking about putting a, a, an aquarium or something, right? Down near Battery Park? Right down where? Let's see. Okay. Let's see that's okay. I'm just trying to remember. There aren't a ton of murders that they go after, so... Yeah, because all of them do involve water. That is important. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways, it, it's not important. Yeah, I think it's it down near Battery Park. In Battery Park, yeah. Okay. Oh, shit, yeah, Battery Park. <laughs> Places I do actually <laughs> know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then while they're assessing the body, a mob comes. Um, an article had been written in the post about the dead children kind of framing it like they don't care. They're not going to find the, uh, the killers. And also Kelly, Paul, is it Paul Kelly? Paul Kelly. Yeah. Paul, yeah. Paul Kelly kind of egging on the immigrants, uh, but basically saying like, they don't care about you. They're, you know, just kind of stirring things up basically. <clears throat> um, they are able to get out and go back to headquarters. And then I, so when they get back to headquarters, Mary is there and she has made them steak, eggs, coffee. She's made up this whole meal. And Chris yeah. is like, oh, this is where my key went. And he is, but he's not happy. Moore is very happy because <laughs> he's starving. It's <laughs> he's late like, or early morning at that point. Um, Chris is not happy. <laughs> he wants her to be kept as far away from this as possible. Yeah, I got lots of thoughts on the relationship with Mary. But we here go. we find out that Mary does not like Sarah. She's yep. got a lot of resentment towards Sarah. Yep. Um, that all of this is going over Moore's head because I guess like maybe journalists aren't supposed to be the smartest people. I don't know. Like, But if you're a Moore, journalist, you're supposed to be investigating stuff. <laughs> like, Yeah, like I, I kind of a lot of stuff go. Because, like, so, since he's telling the story, it, he thinks that Sarah and Chrysler, that they're a thing or that they have feelings for each other. And that Mary also has feelings toward... Well, I think even at this point, he's just like, I don't even understand. And Sarah's like, you idiot. Yeah. She's like, you don't understand, like, romance or something like that. Yeah. Because he says that he wishes uh, he knew what was going on with Mary. And she's like, oh, oh you. Um... And yeah, then that's she's... what leads him to think that hit her, Chrysler, 
have feelings for each other and Mary is jealous. Right. Which I was like, mm, maybe, but I don't think that's it. <laughs> but what's funny is like he also starts to get a little jealous of this, but it's mm-hmm. like, but he also doesn't necessarily <clears throat> seem to have feelings for Sarah either. It's he doesn't. I think because he strange. was engaged and then that didn't happen. That felt so. Yeah. It's kind of like, are you just do you just feel left out because two friends are in your mind now getting together yeah. and gonna couple like pair off and sort of leave you single person type of thing? Right. I don't know. So he goes and sleeps and then wakes up and then to add more salt to the wound, Chrysler and Sarah go on a day trip. Yeah. Um, to go talk to. <laughs> exactly. They, so the whole discussion is like they're basically trying to build an outline or per, um, oh, they have a word for it on Criminal Minds and I can't remember. Um, but trying to find out as much information as they can about the killer based mm. on the actual killings and they Chrysler is convinced that this is not someone who is technically insane but is someone who had trauma happen in their childhood mm. and this is how they view writing the world right and that led to that of course a father or man assaulted harassed well let's go with assaulted Mm -hmm. um this i think everybody agrees by this point that it's a dude that's killing yes because when sarah sees it she's like there's no way this is a woman um but sarah is like you're putting too much emphasis on a man causing the trauma and so they go to kind of explore Or they're going to evaluate a woman who tried to kill her kids. Yep. Because he also wants to interview people, like recent cases of parents or adults killing children, to also kind of rule out what the killer is not doing by kind of comparing those killings to these killings as well. Right. Um, So they're doing that, and that leads John to get super jealous and take Mary out for the day. Which, he was a little worried about how Chrysler was going to respond to it. And he's home when they get home. And he's, like, fine with it. Which yeah, he didn't care. He's like, did you nervous. have a good day? Yeah. It's like, did she have fun? Okay. Then, yeah, it's good. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, at first I was like, are we supposed to take the implication that Mary <clears throat> likes more? And that she can tell that more likes Sarah? But then he's like, no, I think she's actually in love with Chrysler. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then we get Marcus, how he had a theory that the killer was an experienced mountain climber. Mm -hmm. Um, He found marks on the wall of Parisa's hall. Because basically the question is, how did Giorgio, the first child that we see, how did he get out of his room if no one ever saw him leave? So the theory is this killer is an experienced mountain climber who's also strong enough to then carry someone out and down the building. Um, He also found a spike at, I think it was Parisa's Hall, like like a steel spike that a mountain climber would use. I do Um, like the back and forth of like, if you're going to say X, then you have to admit that he's upper class. 
Mm-hmm. And then this wipes out Y, Z, A, B, C, D. Right. Like. Because who would have the time and the resources to learn how to mountain climb and be experienced enough to do this? Someone wealthy or someone, you know. I did like that aspect of it where it was like there was never ignoring um, social classes. Right. Yeah. Um, And then we get to meet Joseph. Uh, oh, Joseph. They, I think it's Marcus and Moore go to the Golden Rule, the house where uh, the second child, Ali, he worked. Um, they meet his friend Joseph, who tells them that Ali had a saint who was going to take him away from here, um, and that Ali hated working there. <clears throat> but that it was safer than anywhere else. Yes. Yeah, kind of the, the best of the worst choices type of yeah. thing. Because <clears throat> I think... They try to get Joseph to come live with uh, Chrysler, Chrysler, and he's like, he's like, I'm safer here. Yeah, because he's already been through enough and doesn't trust. He's like, nope, this is just the best place for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's awful to think about. And then the killer writes a letter to Mrs. Santarelli. Which was terrible. Um, we also find out that uh, Allie's family has also been visited by priests and paid out. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <clears throat> Again with the priests. Yeah. Uh, so Sarah had seen Miss Santorelli outside. Because basically she'd gone to the police to try to get help because she couldn't read the letter and no one would help her. So she was just sitting outside. So Sarah translates the letter for her and she she doesn't fully translate it. But she gives her the gist of it because it's a really bad letter. It's terrible. Where it's clearly the killer because he references parts of the body that he'd cut off that were not in the newspaper. Claims that he ate them. Um, Which body parts would those be? Was it... (coughs) What did he say he cut off? Oh, the buttocks. Yes. Yes. Because nobody can say the word ass in front of Sarah, and it pisses her oh off. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking. If one more person And they're just like, to... I, can't, I can't say this in front of a lady. <laughs> I'm just she... like, are you kidding me? <laughs> What's funny is she carries a gun. Mm-hmm. So it's like, at any point, she could be just like, if you don't stop this, I'm going to shoot you. Yep. So then they, they're able to say the word ass and talk. <laughs> I guess unkindly or whatever, however you would call it. Um, <clears throat> they, I did like how they went about kind of analyzing analyzing the letter after they called an an expert. <laughs> Marcus yeah. calls an expert. Um, there's words that are misspelled, but they can tell that the the writer was doing that on purpose because right. as the letter got to the end. He has no problem spelling certain things that he had issue with earlier in the letter. And clearly you're just trying to throw them off and it's not working now. <clears throat> and there's all this discussion of penmanship and like they're able to kind of gauge an age of the dude based on like when the type of penmanship would have been used. Which yes. Is insane. Yeah. But um, after this too, after the, cause they are all, they're out, they're at, a restaurant or something <clears throat> oh yeah they're that's what i one thing i love about this group is like if they're not 
looking for clues and they are fucking eating somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as they leave, Chrysler tells Moore that he believes the killer is watching them, that it would, it, 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 could be true that because I, you know if you followed Mrs. Santorelli she was at the police station and Sarah did this for her outside could have then followed Sarah to this restaurant and then he does that's when we find out that that bloody parcel that the the article was one of his but that he also recognized that it included what looks like uh, Giorgio's sleeve as well <clears throat> oh, okay. So he has suspected yeah. since the beginning that the killer was watching them. So this is where I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, they're gonna go home, and he's gonna be right there." And <laughs> yeah, I was, very, I was just so worried for them. But like, yeah. Uh, this is also the point where uh, Chrysler like seriously rejects uh, one of Sarah's ideas about uh, female, a woman being involved or a female being involved. Yeah, um, for that negative and, influence. And, yeah, and the trauma of the of the, ch- ugh, of the killer's childhood. Yeah. So. Um, but then him and Moore go to visit Jesse Pomeroy, mm-hmm. who was 12 when he started torturing little kids. Um, he got arrested, but then he was released, and then two more kids were killed, and he did it. Um, he's a real person, which I didn't realize. Is he really? He's real. I looked him up. <laughs> he was real. Oh, man. Um, I know the uh, Wikipedia page for this book has a list of all the people. It does, yeah. I looked and him I up would... individually, though. He was the youngest person. Look. He's the youngest person, according to Wiki, the youngest person in the history of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to be convicted of murder in the first degree. He was found guilty 1874, so he would have been 15 when he was found guilty. <clears throat> Um, and he lived to be 72. Oh, shit, yeah. The thing, other thing I liked, too, was, again, another time of more not knowing what's going on. Christ is like, let's go. We're going to this place. And <laughs> um, he doesn't tell him where. And then more, as he's reflecting, was like, and if he had, I probably wouldn't have gone. And that section talks about how they're going to this section of New York that was named after someone, or I have to find it. Um, but Sing Sing. I was like, oh, I know where you're oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> you're going yeah. to the jail. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know why. Um, <clears throat> Is this when he throws his hissy fit on the, like, right before the, or on the train where, like, Sarah's coming and then, like, Chrysler mm. and Sarah don't, uh, don't kiss. Like, he, he, I swear there's a point where it's like. No, because. This is where Chrysler's finally admitting to the first person, to Moore, that Sarah was right. He hasn't yet gone to Sarah to... Okay. That happened. They so haven't I think made that happened. That might happen maybe when they go to Washington. Maybe that's it. I just know that he, like, gets on the train at one point and, like, huffs and pretends to snore and then finally actually falls asleep. I think that's Washington, yeah, when they go. Yeah. Um, and we learn that Jesse's childhood, his, you know, the reason... Or his trauma was because of a woman. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and Chrysler gets angry because, like, he views himself as falling to the psychologist's uh, policy. Yeah. Um, which is something that every industry has. <clears throat> um, and this is where it gets kind of, we've, you know, dark on... Chrysler's past. 
Yeah, I couldn't remember when we get that article that, or not article, but the report that Sarah finds. She finds a police report. The police had to go to Chrysler's house when he was a young boy. Basically called on the dad. The dad did something to him that resulted in his arm being messed up for the rest of his life. And then they burned that art, that report, I believe. Yeah. Because the similarity for what they were thinking about the stuff that would have happened to the killer, they're like, this can't get out. It's ob- it's not Kreitzler. We know he's not doing it, so. <laughs> right, um, but he But did, other uh... people could easily use this to try to say, or discredit yeah. him, or to say, you know. Because <clears throat> by this point, they've decided that he's of a certain height. Six foot two. And definitely two. has a physical ailment. Yes, the which... focus on the eyes, carving the eyes out. There's something going on with his face. Right. Um, which actually more than does warn Joseph about. Um, he also had given Joseph his, their, his the the phone number for the headquarters too, so yeah. Joseph could ever call <clears throat> if anything anyone like that comes up. Um, and then they also realize that the killings are being based on somehow based on the Christian calendar. They decide to uh, stake out the place the these locales buddy system. Um, yes. I can't Finally. remember. Yes, I can't remember what what the christian calendar like what that event was but this is the ascension day okay um what that is i don't know i don't know yeah but that's Uh, where they decide that they're gonna this is like definitely a day i'm not religious enough i have no idea what ascension day is and it's in may and so i'm like i don't know is it wait were we just on good friday no you say ascension and i think the mayor from buffy same so same. all right let's see what ascension day is yeah. on the christian calendar because uh otherwise we got a big giant worm coming oh it's the 40th day of easter it occurs 39 days after easter sunday it is the christian holiday that commemorates jesus christ's ascension into heaven according to the christian belief but didn't he ascend already i guess i don't I, don't I thought know. that's what Easter was. I thought that's what Easter was too. He rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Maybe it takes him forty days to do that. My catechisms did not stick. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. Uh, I was not raised super religious. Uh, my mother kind of let me believe what I want to believe. Hmm. My dad tried to raise me in a Baptist church, and that did not go anywhere. But like. My dad wanted to raise me Catholic, which my mom was like, okay, but then it's all your responsibility. <laughs> so I was basically an every other weekend Catholic <laughs> since I saw my dad every other weekend. And then when I got to college, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay, so according to the New Testament, Jesus met several times with his disciples during the 40 days after his resurrection to instruct them how to carry out his teachings. What? It is believed on the 40th day he took him to Mount the Mount of Olives where they watched him ascend to heaven. This is blowing my mind. Because yep, if you had asked no me, idea. it would have been he died on Good Friday. And, right? then, yeah, and then he rose and, on Easter and he was out. That was it. Was yeah, done. and that was it. Ascension Day occurs 10 days before the Pentecost and it always falls on a Thursday. All right. So I guess this is like partially why Easter is set. This explains why Easter changes dates. 
I thought Easter changed dates because Ash Wednesday changes dates. They, I don't understand this at all. So you have to find the, the Ash Wednesday and, and then the it's Ascension Day. Because Ash Wednesday is the start, right? 40 yeah. days from there. Because Lent, is, no. Yeah, because Lent is the yeah, 40 days spent in the, yeah, in, and that's why you have to give something up for Lent. For the 40 days he was in the in the desert. <clears throat> I don't understand this. I don't either. All right. Well, so Ascension Day, and they decided to stake out the different locations <laughs> because it's important <laughs> to the killer. Yeah. We don't know why, but it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's on the religious holiday, and I guess it's something that they, like, uh, actually celebrated. Like, looking at it, they were like, even the churches nowadays don't really do too much. They may do, like, a church crawl. And I'm like, like Easter is the thing, but... Easter's the thing. I'm asking... After okay. Easter, stick out. This is the point. Everybody's on the roof and buddies. Yes. Stevie and Moore are together, and they can see the roof that Cyrus and Lucius are on. Yes. And... Way to split those brothers up. Yes. So they don't just... <laughs> bicker back and forth at each other exactly um there is a part where Moore looks over and sees the back of lucius's head and he's like has he gotten taller and i'm like uh no he hasn't that has to absolutely a thousand percent be the killer stupid what are you doing <laughs> i was so that angry that was a great part i was, and then so it was like, angry is he balding and i'm like oh dear god is he balding and has he gotten taller what? Oh, well, let's <laughs> think about it, just guys. like, oh, he's probably standing on something or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Both of these people are going to die now because the killer's yes. right behind them. <laughs> oh, stupid. But then we find out what actually happened is Lucius went to go get coffee because he's having a hard time staying awake. And Cyrus got hit over the head from behind. Um, and Lucius was only gone for about 15 minutes, which means that the killer... Was what had been watching them to know where they were and what his window was, and to take that window right. once Lucy's left. <clears throat> oh yeah, this all happens on the Pentecost because nothing happens on Ascension Day. I don't but, know anymore. <laughs> but Pentecost is like also part of the Ascension. And I don't know what Pentecost is um, either. <laughs> They're all within like two days of each other. I can tell you what so. Christmas is. It Ash is Wednesday, the- Three Kings Day. And Easter. That's it. <laughs> it is the Christian festival celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples of Jesus after his ascension, held on the seventh Sunday after Easter. Easter is a bigger deal than we realized. It is also the Jewish festival of Shevels. So, um, no idea. But, yeah. Anyways. So Cyrus is in bad shape, and he's, that's when he gets Ernst Lohman. That's the next name I have written down for one of the yes. kids. Ernst so Lohman. Basically, this killer is able to take out one of, the, one of the people staking him out and then also still kidnap and kill a young boy. Although, I can't remember good. where he leaves that body, but he gets inter- or we think that he gets interrupted because only one eye is missing. <clears throat> So the next thing I have is them getting kidnapped and meeting with J.P. Morgan. 
<laughs> which I was like, what is what is happening? Now I'm more because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so they do a postmortem on Ernest and he's actually removed the heart. <sighs> then they're picked up by Paul Kelly. And yeah, I think that's when they take him to. Connor takes him to J.P. Morgan because I think by then Connor had been fired because he said something about his former line of work. So I don't think he was a cop anymore. Oh, okay. So they're picked up by Paul Kelly and that they're taken to the National History Museum to get help from Franz Boas and who's an anthropologist. So in the... And they, he explains that the mutilations um, are consistent with Dakota and Seuss tribes, mm-hmm. but that they would never do anything like this on a kid. Yeah. Um, but it just brings in the whole uh, Native American aspect, which adds another layer of like, does, is this guy from out west? Right. Blah, 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 blah. Because it and then, comes up in the letter, too, to yeah. um, Georgia's mom. Um, so, yeah, they're... Laszlo and John are going to go to Washington. The brothers are going to go to South Dakota. Sarah's um, going to keep putting in her random appearances at the office to try to yes. keep that up. Um, and then, the, yes, then he is uh, abducted by before, right. Connor. Yes, who takes him to meet with J.P. Morgan, Anthony Comstock. Um, there's a Catholic priest and an Episcopal priest. Who, Bishop I forgot. Potter. He does more. Does go talk to members of the Catholic Church, or a member of the Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church. Oh yeah. And they're basically like he can totally tell that they're in on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Episcopal one is just like very blasé about it, whereas the Catholic has, or one, or vice versa, has it down where it's like, oh my God, no, these poor children, oh my God, you know. But it's clearly <laughs> fake. You guys are in on this. <laughs> Yeah, so Um, it's the priest, Bishop Potter, Archbishop Corrigan, uh, Burns, and Comstock. And it's at J.P. Morgan's house, which is now my favorite museum. It's Morgan (laughs) Library. It has the great Frankenstein exhibit right now. Uh, In case you ever want to make a trip to New York. Um, And... Basically, the sense that I got from this was that they wanted, they didn't think the cops could solve it, and they didn't want to even set the expectation that cases like this could be solved, and we're just trying to, like, hush the family up to kind of keep that expectation down. Which is, like, kind of stupid. Like, I guess it's in part, like, let them clean out the riffraff, but... I don't know. It's weird. Oh. It's... Uh, my brother cannot tell me what Ascension Day is. And he still goes to church. I'm going to ask my grandmother. So, yeah. I, I guess Sarah has to stay with Teddy. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But, yeah. J.P. Morgan. I've His library, his office, it's beautiful. It's so pretty. <laughs> so. But they let him continue, right? Like, I mean, obviously, we're, this is only like halfway through the book. So 
<laughs> they let him continue. Yeah, because basically, well, sort of. <laughs> it seems like J.P. Morgan is just trying to figure out which side to back in this. Like, should I be supporting the ones who just want to keep hushing the families up with money? Or he cut, well, he did allow them to continue, but he said he couldn't back them publicly. Um, or even, like, I think, tell the people, the other guys that had been there, that he was going to let them continue. Oh, yeah, my brother did not know that about Ascension Day. <laughs> uh, J.P. Morgan. So then they go to Washington because they had written to, I'm not going to remember the name of the department, but they were basically trying to see if they could get records for any military men who were discharged, um, who had been out west, and there were maybe concerns. Um, so Christ is going to investigate that because they basically said, yes, we have one, but we don't have time to give you more info. And Moore is looking through other stuff. This, see, this is where, like, the dense, the how dense this is, where I was like, oh, my God, my notes. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot <clears throat> goes on in this. And it's like, okay. <sighs> Essentially what we get they figure is it that, out. <laughs> yeah, that we find out there's a, okay. Um, Start with the family, maybe. The Drury family. I guess. I don't even know where. So, John goes to the patent office for a little while to search for violent incidents between settlers and tribes. And then Chrysler goes to St. Elizabeth's Hospital um, to researching Elizabeth. hospital records. And then after a few days of searching, he finds the name John Beachman, who was hospitalized and seems fit the killer's profile perfectly. Because there is a comment, like, really early on where, like, if there was a three-year delay or two-year delay or something between, like, this guy has to be traveling. Maybe he's on a boat or something like that. And then at the same time, um, John comes across the file that, like, something happens in New Paltz with Victor Dury and his wife were killed by Indians and their son, um, Japheth Dury. Who was also kidnapped. He was kidnapped. I was like, what Native Americans are going to kidnap? Exactly. Why would they do that? And I was like, oh, that's him. That's him. That's him. He did it. And he changed his name. (laughs) Yeah. So then it's like, and even Clark, who was at the Natural History Museum, who like started, you know, being like, hey, this stuff looks like Indian stuff, but they wouldn't do this to kids. Um, Basically also goes, yeah, no Indian. They wouldn't. They would either kill everybody or they would leave people alone. Right. But he was also like, for them to physically get there, not seen, commit these murders, and then leave with a little white boy, unseen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, um, but they still investigate these murders? I guess because it's a, it's a lead. Yep, it's a lead. And they... So the Drury family had an older son named Adam who had moved out by the time these murders happened. And actually the cops tried to, they really tried to tie it to him saying he came from Massachusetts and he snuck over, killed his parents and then did who knows what with his brother and left, but he didn't do it. So they go visit Adam in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, They claim to be reviewing cold cases. (laughs) 
that were never <laughs> solved. And basically he opens up, he does tell them um, that his dad yeah. was a pastor, right? I think so. He was a pastor, a minister. And the mom attended like every sermon or service that he ever did. But they weren't very romantic. Because one of the things that they thought in their profile was that maybe the mom didn't want children so that the killer's an only child or one of very, very few. Right. And we find out that basically the dad got drunk and raped his wife. And that's how Jeff Heth was born. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then she, in turn, was always very hard on him, always badgering him about something. Everything he did was wrong. He ended up developing this facial tick, which, when the brother would take him hunting, went away. That was the one time that, that facial tick went away, was he was kind of in his element hunting. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, he was also, you know, assaulted by the local farmhand. Yeah, a friend or friend named George Beecham um, raped him when the three of them went off hunting together. So obviously that leads them to conclude that Chepeth is alive and he took the name John Beecham and is committing these murders. Then when they leave the jewelry farm, they're on their way back to the train station. They get shot at. And it's a whole thing. <laughs> like, I was not expecting a no. shootout. Or not a shootout, because they weren't shooting back. But, like, in the middle of the road. It's... <clears throat> Their driver ran off, left them. <laughs> yes. Which I was like, you know, I can't really blame you. Yep. And this is also the point. Okay, yeah. Because this is the point where uh, Lazaro... Laz- he finally admits that he's in love with Mary. Yes. Maybe? Lazaro. It's Maybe. like right after they get shot at and they're on the, they finally get to the train. And I think it's after more basically sneak attacks, the two thugs who are the same ones who chased him and Sarah out of the Santorelli house. It's like sneak yes. attacks and gets rid of them. And then he confesses that he's in love with Mary and that he thought she had feelings for him too. And that he's, he's very, he seems to be very conscious of the doctor patient yeah, savior say, dynamic. The, how old is Mary? I don't. I don't know. How long has Mary been working for him? And she's still like, in treatment with you. Exactly. There's a lot of, and it's the 1800s, so <clears throat> it's less weird for the time period. But looking at this, man, did I start cringing? Yeah. Oh, because so he gets Laszlo gets like winged by a bullet on the mm-hmm. arm. And he, he's thinking when they're in the middle of the road, so he's thinking he's not going to get out of there. So he gives his watch or something to, to Mord. And he's like, give this to, and he can't quite get it out. And he's like, no, just give it to yourself. We're getting out of here. This whole time, Mord is thinking it's Sarah. Yes. <laughs> and only when he says Sarah's name, he's like, what? <laughs> it's not Sarah. I was like, I knew it. Yeah, no, I, at no point did I think they were involved. No. It just would have been too weird. And he said, what is it? What is this? Where is it? I'm trying to find it. But it's something like he basically had been, the reason he got so mad when she made the steak and eggs at time was because he wanted her kept as far away from this investigation as possible to keep her safe. Um, but that 
was it right before they left he confessed his feelings to her yes or was he and gonna the, do it no no he's gonna do it right after he did something he did, right he before did something right before they left where the hell is it <laughs> he did something right before but they're not thought, going to go into a relationship until after the right i think he said that he just told her how he felt maybe and that you know kind of when he got back that they could then do something about it or move forward right as a couple and this is where i was like things are not going to go well are they as much as i'm cringing about this i mean i didn't i just was like well okay i guess we need a little love story in this because you know, it's the 90s. Everything, I guess, needs a love story. This is a weird one to have. And then, yeah, no, that's not what happens at all. Yeah. The morning of our departure for Washington, he decided it might be time for their relationship to, as he awkwardly, awkwardly put it, evolve. And he informed her immediately of this decision. And so when she watched him leave, she was worried that something would happen to him while he was away that would prevent this from ever, the relationship from ever evolving. And something does happen. Yep. But not to him. Nope. So they get home. And when Moore gets back to his place, I think it's one of the servants is like, oh, my God, thank God. Sarah's been calling you a lot. Yes. Um, She's called a million times. She's at uh, Dr. Chrysler, so you have to go there. So she he goes, Sarah's there, and his um, a, another doctor is there. <clears throat> and we find out that basically the two thugs that he got off the train, when they lost them, they came to Dr. Chrysler's house. Um, a lot of yelling. They tried to get Stevie to tell them where they were since Cyrus is still in bed with the head injury from being hit over the head. And Stevie, of course, he's not giving them up. Mary, they shut her up in the kitchen, but she got out somehow and had a knife. And Connor was there as well. So she ends up stabbing Connor in the side and then she ends up falling slash maybe was pushed down the stairs and her neck broke and she died. Mary. I think he also like Connor tries to defend his actions and everything and it's just not good. It's so not good. But this causes Chrysler to leave the investigation. Yep. He quits. He quits. He flat out flat out quits. He is terrified that he is going to get uh, John or Sarah or the brothers you know killed. Mm -hmm. And it's like well. Cyrus, Stevie he needs to protect them. Yeah. And I get that. It's valid. It is valid, except for it's like, you know, they're going to continue on without you. So, right. like, you're not keeping them safe. But right. I, he but needs to grieve, need... and I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. Um, and, of course, they do keep up the investigation together. Sarah and uh, Moore kind of figure out, okay, so why did he take the name John Beecham? John the Baptist. It all happens near water. It's the yeah. thing. The Isaacsons, or actually, I think the Isaacsons are there when they figure this out. But the Isaacsons come back. Or no, they're not there yet because they send the wire to Moore saying that the John Beecham that they found had the facial spasm. spasm, And he writes back, wires back to them to just come home. They have a few days where they don't, like, where they're just kind of, like, sitting around trying to get ideas and not really 
able to come up with anything. Right, because they're more and Sarah waiting for the Isaacsons right. to come back, and Laszlo's quit, so they're kind of at a standstill until the, the brothers get back. This was the first time I didn't feel like it was a, a Shakespeare, Shakespeare... I keep doing that. Sherlock uh, <laughs> wannabe, because mm-hmm. I don't feel like Sherlock would have ever quit. Granted, I have not read any of the Sherlock books. I have them all on audiobook. Really? Yeah, yeah, I haven't read a single one. I've never read any. Uh, Actually, I remember it was uh, a couple. So was it so Christmas? It was must have been last summer. I was up in Lowell for something without Chris, and my father-in-law said that he really liked the movies, like the Robert Downey, but he's never actually read the books. And I was like, "Oh, Christmas idea!" There you go. <laughs> so we got him um, go. some book for for Christmas last year. But yeah, I, I like that Laszlo's history is different mm-hmm. than Sherlock's. Um, he had a very clearly not great childhood mm-hmm. and that he quits yeah you know like he reaches he's i not... think a breaking point that i think any of us would yeah. definitely quit at about this time where the person that they were in love with was killed essentially because of the investigation that they're involved in oh yeah oh yeah <clears throat> yeah so he's definitely not the sociopath yeah wait which one is yeah sociopath that Sherlock is. <laughs> so <laughs> take a minute to be like which one is he um but it also leaves the group a little like can they do this without them like they're feeling it themselves yeah i feel like that's gotta be i think of the two of them more and sarah i think more was like well that's it but i think sarah was the one who's like uh no we got this he's he taught us enough we are gonna keep going with this we're so close to the end we know it's this guy, like, we're, no, we're going to keep going. And she kind of yeah. convinces him. And then the next thing is they have to convince Roosevelt to let them continue <laughs> without Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, that's, I don't know, Sarah's badass. I love Sarah. Mm-hmm. So uh, do they have information on him before they go? Other than, like, we think this is him? They The Isaacsons come back after they see Roosevelt. So. Okay. I think they they know it's him, but I don't think they have like the full full report of um, what John Beecham was up to when he was in the military, like the full extent of what he did. <clears throat> right. Um, so they do go to Roosevelt's house, and that was kind of funny with the kids and all the animals, and it's yes. mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. <laughs> yeah, I like that they really humanize. Uh, Teddy. I don't like that they keep saying Theodore. I know. Yeah. Like, so every proper. time I have to be like, who is Theodore? <laughs> um, he's good to let them continue. And I think that's when they call him. They were like, basically like, we're now a person short. You have to help us stake out the places at the next, up, you know, the upcoming holiday. That's right. And he's kind of reluctant, but he does agree. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, and then the Isaacsons come back and they basically... Um, they'd gotten the, an abbreviated report in the mail that led them to think that this guy might be a good fit. And then after all this stuff has happened and the Isaacsons get the full report, basically, um, there's one part where John Beecham, what he was upsetting children. So his superior was like, go get your head straight. Get just, just go. And he comes back and he's you know, following orders and it's fine. I mean, he got really defensive and angry when he was first accused, but when he comes back, he's a proper soldier. But then they find him mutilating a body. 
Yeah. And they're like, okay, get the hell out of here. Go back to Washington. And that's when he ends <laughs> up at St. Elizabeth. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, um, so is then, this when they start going for the census stuff? Yeah, that's when they have, um, I think the Isaacsons. Is that when the Isaacsons go? Or maybe more and Sarah go? Figure it out first and they go? Yeah, I'm not sure. This is I like, think they, yeah, they go in first. There's a lot of like frustrating, we don't know anything, followed by like, it could be one of six things we're going to try all six of these at once. And I'm like, okay, spread That's it out lot. a little. <laughs> yeah. And I think that so, wasn't even on the list. I think it was after an unsuccessful day of talking to people, all of a sudden more is like, oh my God, there, there's this one place where it's their job to know everyone, essentially. Yes. Um, in New York. So they go to the census bureau and the guy in charge there he only gives them a little bit of information um i loved him yeah because they were like can we talk to so and so i don't remember his name and he was like or they're like is he here and he's like he he never works never leaves earlier than 6 30 yeah. and then they they keep asking him questions and finally they're like can we talk to him and they're like and he's like that's me yep but he's it's so deadpan yep. and i was like <laughs> i hope this is in the show and yep. i hope it's played by someone well yeah <laughs> Um, says that Beecham worked there as an enumerator. So he actually went around counting, doing the interviewing, getting the actual stats. Um, and says he had to dismiss him, but he, that he won't tell them why. Right. So I did like the end of that, too. When they're leaving, Moore says something about, did Beecham do something bad in the 13th or 14th, whatever area? And the guy yeah. starts to answer. And he's like, wait a minute, how did you know what area? And he's like, no, no, no bye. <laughs> and then they just, like, <laughs> run out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're like pretending that they're looking for something for his brother. Mm-hmm. He like, does give them his former address, though. <clears throat> yeah, stupid. Don't do that. Right. Don't give people their people. Cops yeah. Things. People wouldn't do that now. Well, some most people wouldn't do that now. Yeah. But, um, and then him and Sarah go there, and it's this woman who has a million cats. <laughs> These stay inside. Yeah. These are outside. Yeah. She's like, I only have what twelve inside or fifteen outside. Something, like something crazy. Um, but Beecham had rented a room from her and he always paid on time and he was a great tenant, like never gave her any trouble, but he left in December, which is right around when he got dismissed from his job because he told her he wasn't going to have any money and he didn't want to, you know, like mooch off of her, like stay somewhere where he couldn't pay for it, which sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Then she says one of her cats is missing and I was like, oh, I know what happened to that cat. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yep. And the fact she lets the smell go. Like, says nothing about the smell. She's like, there's a, they go into the room and mm-hmm. there's a smell. And I guess, I, I, I guess if you have that many cats, you just, you just don't notice. don't notice. Or like you're immune to it, sort of. Like, that's just how it smells. I guess. And it got stronger when he lifted the bed when they weren't in the room. And that's when he. True. So it maybe wasn't like super noticeable to someone who's not always surrounded by a lot of cats. Maybe. Maybe? I don't know. But she didn't know. More found where the cat was and what happened to that cat. It was not good. No. <clears throat> um, but also, he they do make it clear he likes rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. So even though he did kill the cat, there's probably still, still, uh, the, still a strong sense of morality, I guess. I guess. In like yeah. doing the right, like, he like legally 
doing something right by society. I don't know how to walk this line. That's not like, but you killed a fucking cat. So. I think he, um, like he was definitely at a breaking point with losing his job and everything. So I'm assuming the cat was kind of like a way for him to take those frustrations out. Um, yeah. When the Isaacsons go to the census, we find out that it's he was dismissed because he was showing a lot of attention to a young girl and the parents complained. Right. Um, so he was just a breaking point of losing his job. And yeah. <clears throat> After that, then uh, Joseph calls. The, oh, uh, Joseph. Oh, yeah. And he says a friend of his who works the street met a man who said he was going to take him away and Joseph immediately thought of what Moore had told him so he calls Moore and Moore's going to meet with him um, but then they end up finding Beecham's house and I feel like he forgot about the meeting with Joseph yeah he definitely forgot about the meeting yeah, with Joseph because they found the house the address <clears throat> Joseph's or phone call house. is weird because yes. he's like are you sure about the face tick there was, so yeah. Because there was nothing wrong. And Moore said, yes, he was sure. Which I was like, you're forgetting yeah. the thing about how yes. when he's hunting, he doesn't have a facial tick. Okay, I was like, did I just make that up? And it was no. off my head. Okay, nope. that's right. Yes, so okay. Because I was yelling about that, but I was like, did I make that up? You did not. And Laszlo actually points it out later when he, you know, comes back in that. When he's like, well, you should have said this. <clears throat> and this would have saved Joseph's life. It's like, oh. So they find... Beecham's new house and it's clearly his because there is a jar of eyes but it was dozens of eyes not just the few yeah young men that they have found and this is where I was like oh my god he's gonna like show up in the doorway something crazy is gonna happen I was very like tense for that <laughs> um so much worse yeah <laughs> then they also found a heart I believe yes in a box yeah and a map of the water system yes so they decide to stake out the house and then at least more i don't can't remember if he's with people but when he was back to their headquarters there is a sack waiting and it has joseph's dead body in it which again dude totally knows where you guys are i know i <laughs> so like oh god it's one of the biggest things that I don't, that, that one of the biggest hangups about this book is that like they rent this office to keep them safe, but literally do nothing else. Mm -hmm. Right. And clearly and they, he's been following them to know that Joseph and Moore were talking. Obviously, yeah. what else are they going to be talking about? Why would George, uh, Moore be carrying on conversations with a young boy working at such a house? Clearly he's warning him um, or trying and maybe also trying to get the boy to help him. So, Yeah. And Moore knows because Laszlo told him that he felt that they were probably being followed. So he knows. Oh, yeah. I just It's like, what precautions are you taking? There's none. It's just like he wanted to spend money to buy a new office and new furniture. Right. And it's just it's so illogical. Yeah. I was very sad but about also, Joseph. Yeah. yeah. I, I was too. I actually yeah. teared up. I was very, like, I wanted yeah. Joseph to get out and be okay. I guess the one... But he wasn't mutilated so kind of a good thing he wasn't mutilated it was a very quick killing yeah. um laszlo comes to comfort more you know because he knows that more probably blames himself and he does and that's when laszlo points out because more brings up what joseph said about 
the streetwalker friend and but the guy doesn't have a facial tick and Laz was like well he wouldn't while he's hunting and I was like thank you <laughs> yeah Ugh. like let's be honest more should feel bad yeah it comes yes. up too when he get, goes to warn him uh, before he goes I think when they're all at the headquarters they were like are you sure you should give him this information could this be harmful and he's like well if he has this information he might be able to prevent something from happening to him so what he was questioning whether or not he should like bring this guy in this kid in yeah Um, i mean it came from the goodness of his heart he thought he was protecting him he just forgot the most crucial detail yeah that facial tick while hunting um and then laszlo makes a very weird request (laughs) Which leads to more again being like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, you're going to come to the opera with me. It's like, um, what? He's like, well, you guys. Yeah, from this point on, it gets really weird. Yeah. Because um, the plan is to stake out the house. and Or first they stake out the house. The guy doesn't come back. And they kind of, Laszlo was like, he's probably not going to go back. He left all that stuff there. This is like, we're reaching the peak, the end here kind of thing. Um. So later on that night, they're planning to stake out. Oh, I can't remember where. They're planning to stake out one the tower, some tower, but then the, the high bridge tower. Is that the one that they go to or the one that they're staking out? They like the, the others. Group, Roosevelt and the others are going to the high bridge tower. And then where do Laszlo and Moore go? Um, the Croton or Crouton Reservoir. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Neither of which I know where these are. They may not exist <laughs> in New York anymore. Um, but Laszlo wants more to go with him to the opera first. He's like, oh, you have plenty of time to go meet up with them for the stakeout. And he's like, just don't tell them. He basically tries to get more to not tell him why he wants him to go with him to the opera. Yeah. So... Moore agrees, and then they're seen there, but they sit in the back of the of the box. And then, I think it's during an intermission, Cyrus and Stevie come to essentially take their place and just sit in the back so there's still two figures there. And then off they go, and Moore's like, where are we going? Laz is like, we're going to go catch Beecham. <laughs> I get the theory is so that, like, maybe they can drop some of their tails. But if you knew you had tails, we could have this argument. <clears throat> throughout this book but also does it help them lose their tails well not the one that he wanted there no so that's good (laughs) because otherwise they'd probably be dead (laughs) um they end up going to this reservoir and they hear a child crying and they realize they're in the right place which obviously means that roosevelt all the cops basically are in the wrong place um (laughs) Yeah. And as they go towards the child, they're like, the guy, Beecham kind of comes up from the side and knocks them out and ties them up. Because they did underestimate and kind of forgot for a second that he can climb, he's fine climbing a building, climbing whatever. So he kind of snuck yeah, up like, on them. Yeah, this guy's Because he ran out. Kind they of saw, inhuman. Yeah. <clears throat> and then. Just because you have a facial tick doesn't mean that you are incapable right like you saw him run away and then he didn't come back right 
but what do you think he's doing? I mean, I exactly like. I just I'm like uh, we need to like sound the alarm or something because I'm not moving from this spot. <laughs> yeah, because he's gonna come and kill me. <laughs> um, it's just overall weird. Yeah. So. Uh, but, so they're about to die. Right. But then, Connor, who I for a second was like, who the fuck is Connor? Oh, I kept forgetting. Oh, I kept forgetting. Yeah. <clears throat> but he is the is that former police cop? officer from the beginning, yeah. beginning that kind of blew off this whole investigation that yeah, eventually got let go and was paying off the victim families. Mm-hmm. He's the one who so brought them comes. to J.P. Morgan's house. Yes. So he comes and kills Beecham just like flat. It's like, bam, they're gone. Well, after some debate, because remember the boxer shows oh, up. Oh, that's right. He That's comes right. and his plan, he comes with a couple other guys and his plan, he's just going to kill this guy. We're going to end this. And Laszlo doesn't want that to happen because he wants to learn why this guy did this, maybe to help in future situations. Right. Um, should anything like this happen again. And then all of a sudden, eat him up. Jack McManus comes and saves them. <laughs> like he comes from freaking out of nowhere. Basically, he had been following Laszlo, and I think it sounded like that he kind of made a deal with them. For, he did, yeah. But for um, McManus to not to only intervene once it really looked like dire, like we could die. Yes. So he let them get knocked out and tied up. <laughs> yeah, like Beecham was going to kill you. You right. idiot. Let's them get knocked out, tied up. He's gonna kill them. He's gonna kill this boy. Nope, not going to intervene. But then when Connor yeah. comes with a gun, then he's like, okay. And then he yeah. he's a real person, too. He was a real boxer. Is he really? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he knocks him unconscious, Tie up ties Connor. up Connor's men. Yeah. Everything seems to be good. But then they're talking to Beecham. But then Connor wakes up. Right. It's and like- Moore is having... He's breaking because... Laszlo's doing oh, yeah. his doctor thing and he's trying to talk to him and trying to get him to open up. And he is, but Moore is getting pissed off because he's like, how is this guy, this coward, just like crying and being upset? And how could I be compassionate for him knowing what he did to all these young children? Yeah. And he, and he, he, almost, he almost kills him. Yeah. <laughs> he has the gun he and he's ready to kill him. Did have compassion for him at one point. Like he was like starting to understand where he was coming from. Like mm-hmm. not agreed with his methods but understanding how a man could break and come to these methods mm. and then joseph died so like more is like really more than anything dealing with his up his grief over joseph yeah his grief and maybe his his guilt. upsetness yeah yeah <laughs> um, so but while he's arguing and wanting to kill beecham connor wakes up and shoots beecham and yeah. Beecham dies. Well, Laszlo tries to ask him why why the eyes. And he basically, as he's dying, says, like, he didn't know. He couldn't really give a reason for it. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, great. Now these two are going to get killed by Connor. But who comes and <laughs> saves the day? Badass Sarah. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's the, the her, saving grace of this book yes. is that Sarah saves the day. Yep. The Isaacsons are with her, but they come in after. She comes in <laughs> exactly. first, shoots and kills Connor, takes care of that. <laughs> and it was her awesome. idea, um, because when Roosevelt shows up at the tower, 
and says that the two of them just he didn't they couldn't find them after the opera that's when she remembered this location and thought that they should check it out because you know after a while he hadn't shown up at the uh the tower it's like good yeah. good on you she's brilliant yep <clears throat> um and there's this whole thing with more more is like what the hell's going on because where did jack mcmanus come from <laughs> what and laz was like we don't have time <laughs> He wants to get Isaacson's, or I'm sorry, he wants to get Beecham's body out of there and the Isaacson's help him. And basically, Moore and Sarah are left to stall when Roosevelt shows up. Right. And Roosevelt starts to buy their story, and then he's like, oh, wait, you're clearly trying to trick me. No, we're not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Has them arrested, but not like he's... Not really Not really, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um... What the Isaacs and what they end up doing with the body too is dropping it off at the morgue with a note basically saying this is the guy who was responsible for those killings. It's all set. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's how is weird. the city I... gonna just accept that? And Roosevelt also saying it like that's it's not enough. <laughs> no, it makes it's I don't know. What they wanted to do is weird and I don't quite comprehend. I mean I get like they wanted to do the postmortem, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, this ending yeah. was hard to take down. Oh, I also realized I forgot to talk about something. I can't remember which which child. Oh, it was the, the child that where he was only missing one eye, and Marcus wanted to do that experiment because there's a theory that your last image is imprinted on your eye. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> This comes up oh. in that in the Wild Wild West movie with yes. Will Smith. <laughs> yes. I wonder. Except it worked I, in that I, movie. <laughs> it did work in that movie. Yes. I'm assuming this is something that has been disproven because I've never heard it actually used. Oh yeah. <laughs> but. So I I watching Wild Wild West. I did not think that this was an actual thought or theory from back in the day. Apparently it was. Right. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, it does not work. I forgot I meant to bring that up before. So, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of when Marcus said he wanted to do this thing with the eye. I was like, wait. <laughs> he needs glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and it was upside down, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I haven't went to that movie in a long time. <laughs> it doesn't hold up well. And so unfortunately, because I loved that movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I tried to watch it maybe a year oh, ago dear. and was like, Oh, maybe this doesn't hold up at all. I could see because I remember as a kid, I was like, "Why is everyone hating on this?" Like we had Independence Day, and exactly what was the other one? He had something else around because July Fourth weekend was Will Smith's weekend. Yes, with Independence what was Day, the one? something Men else. In Black. Men in Black. Yes. yes, and then this, and this was this did not go well. And I was like, I don't know what people's problems are. Yeah, with this. no, I because I was looking at reviews, I was like, wow, this movie is like really hated. Oh yeah, and then oh, yeah. I turned it on and watched like. Maybe forty five minutes, maybe Ooh, not even that long, and was good. like, was like, nope, this movie actually is quite terrible, and I cannot do it. Okay, so then I, I won't try it again. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's one of those things. Leave it in your past. Enjoy the memories. Where you enjoyed it back then. <laughs> yes, the song's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so. so, so yeah, the alienist. So yeah, they wrap it up. They kind of give a little bit of brief history of mm-hmm. like. I assume the brothers aren't coming back in the next book. Um, 
Well, maybe. But yeah, well, it's kind of like a, little a quick wrap for... up of what happens with everybody. Yeah. So, Cyrus gets married. Yes. Stevie ends up running, opening up a tobacco shop. <laughs> Never gives up perfect. that smoking habit. <laughs> um, and I don't remember yeah. what happens to anybody else. Those nope. were the two. Nope, I was like, yeah, what happens to them? Nobody. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I am curious if uh, he intended to write a second book at the time. And I'm looking at the second book, which has over 600 pages, and so it'll not be something oh I'm reading my anytime God. soon. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Overall, like I like the historical fiction aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it as a crime-solving novel, <clears throat> but I overall enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. just not... My favorite. Yeah. I liked the historical part, definitely. Yeah. Um, I did like it as the crime-solving part of, like, what would they have done back then? Like, the experiment with the eye and, oh, my God, right. fingerprinting is not actually a thing back then. And just, <laughs> I liked those different, seeing how they would try to solve a crime back then when profiling is a thing that's done all the time now. And back right. then, psychologists or alienists were not as respected as they, no, they are not now. At all. Like um, there are times in this book where they're heckled and not mm-hmm. heckled, but like threatened and told, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. This yeah. is going against God and all specifically Laszlo. Cause yes. yeah. Um, and I liked that I was able to still, I, cause I was worried about them this whole time. And I think it's because <laughs> the idea of this, he's probably following you. He could be anywhere. I feel like you're not watching your backs, like, at least more. No. <laughs> like, you're not. Also, you make, I mean, this was before he knew that they that they were probably being followed. But the, when he goes to that the hall by himself in the beginning, and I think he was a little drunk. It was after dinner. He walks to sober himself up. What do you do? Why would you do this? Yeah. So, yeah, but I was just, like, on edge for them the entire time. Like, this guy could snap and try to kill them. Although, probably should have mentioned this, Laszlo's, one of his biggest theories about the killer was that the killer wants to be caught. He doesn't want to be doing this. Like, he ha- he ha- kind of has to. But at the same time, it's sort of a cry for help because he's putting these bodies where you could find them. That water tower only got, the kids in the water tower were only found because something happened to the water tower itself. If whatever right. happened, like, if nothing had happened to it and it stayed, they, they wouldn't have found those bodies but then he starts putting that bodies out in public he's asking for help he's asking to be stopped um but i was still like he could snap and just be like i'm gonna kill these guys so i can keep killing the kids on my own yeah yeah poor joseph poor joseph yeah and mary because she that's true yeah mary i just i mean aside the whole relationship thing yeah, I, but <laughs> I all of it, like did, Mary just didn't want she her never to caught a break. No, no, mm-mm. not at all. Uh, so. Although now that I know the next one is 600 pages, that's going to like the bottom of my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe we'll watch the TV show. And then yeah, decide. yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, I realized today I was like, oh, crap, I didn't think of a book drink and I still don't quite have one. 
except for beer because beer comes up a few times Sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's really bad, <laughs> the beer that well, Moore gets to drink. Definitely not bourbon, because bourbon back then, uh, it, apparently if you got it in like a mob place and they didn't like you, it was going to be laced with like seven different things. So beer is the safer choice. I am I agree with yeah, this. Yeah, so some good beer. Or really, really bad beer. <laughs> or really bad beer to fit with the theme. So yes. I do not enjoy Pabst Blue Ribbon, so that'd be my nomination for the bad beer because I freaking hate that beer. I, I will not. <laughs> nope, that sounds fine. I, I agree with this. <clears throat> All right. So what are you reading next that's not for the podcast? So uh, I am in the middle of a book that I never thought I would read. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I think I talked about this episodes ago like episode like four or five i don't like john green i don't know what it is i don't particularly care for his books i don't care for the movies i'm not 100 percent sure how i feel about him as a person so when his brother hank green put out a book i was like oh i don't care because i get that that I'm guilty not going... by association type of yeah like, it's just like whatever <laughs> you're getting a book deal because of your brother cool and then uh, a friend of mine read the book and did a uh, did a podcast episode on it and asked if I would listen to it. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll read the book for that. <laughs> it is actually really, really good. Oh, <laughs> like I'm like angrily reading this, being like, how dare you make it into probably like my top ten books of this year? <laughs> oh. So it is called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. Okay. by Hank Green. And if I, I went into it thinking it was a book about like dealing with anxiety or something. I don't know what I thought it was about. It's not. <laughs> it's a sci-fi novel. Oh, okay. And earlier this year, I read a book called Sociable, um, which I might edit out and just say, I, earlier this year, I read a book that was supposed to be like a satire of how millennials are. And it was mm. crap. It was one of the worst books I've ever read. This, I feel like, is such a great satire of like, come here. What if this sci-fi thing happened, and millennials are kind of in charge of it? And uh, Chief Brody is all for this. Yeah. <laughs> He's not here so. for the people leaving or coming home. I don't know. Can't tell which way they're going. But <laughs> you're fine, buddy. He's got his little razor back um, going. His hair grows up like. Oh no. You're fine. You're fine. Um. So yeah, I'm reading that and we'll maybe have to give John Green another shot. (laughs) What about you? What are you reading next? Um, I was trying to think of more sort of like classic type books that I haven't read, like Frankenstein and Dracula. So not at all in the same vein. I decided to go with Pride and Prejudice because I've never actually read the book. <laughs> I have seen the Kira uh-huh. Knightley movie so many times. I love it. And <laughs> I also watched, um, I've all, I love You've Got Mail. <laughs> oh, yes. And I watched it when I was sick this week. And um, Meg Ryan's character really loves Pride and Prejudice. And it comes up a couple times throughout the movie. It's like, you know what? That's, that's my book. That's my next book because I've not read it. So I will say... The only Austin that I absolutely adore is Northanger Abbey. Pride and Prejudice is one that I feel I enjoy adaptations more. Mm, But then again, the adaptations have to be really good and like understand the book. 
So I'm, I'm like a weird Pride and Prejudice <laughs> snob almost, but not, like not. So like I will read almost any adaptation. If you say it's Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. I'm like, cool, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> but <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's enjoy Mr. Darcy and then yeah. just go watch Colin Firth come out of the lake. <laughs> yep. Yep. Over and yep. Over again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. So good. <laughs> yeah. I love that you're on this like classics kick. Every time I'm like, I feel bad. I should do more classics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen after Pride and Prejudice. I'll have to try to think of another one. So <laughs> Thankfully, there are plenty of books oh, out yes. there. Many to choose from. <laughs> uh, so where can people find you besides judging book covers? Um, you can find me on one of my other podcasts. Uh, Fabulous is starting back up with... Persephone at Hades, uh, the Wednesday after this episode comes out. Um, and Minds at York is just uh, continuing on. And uh, Handbook's actually on a break for now. Uh, what about you? Where can people find you? Here. <laughs> Always <laughs> a good place to find you. <laughs> and you can find us on all the social media at JBC Podcast. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and there's also the Facebook page, a handbook for judging fabulous retellings covers. Yes. So next time, we are going to be reading Difficult Women by Roxanne Gay. Yay! I'm very excited. first essay collection? It's... No. Yes? I know we've done short stories. I think it's the first one, the first essay collection we've done. Yeah, I think you're right. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be good. Yeah, because I don't consider memoirs. Some people consider memoirs to be essays, and I'm like, mm. I don't think that's the same thing. No, especially because it's, it's just, I mean, I don't know. No, I'd say it's that's different. Yeah, so <laughs> this one will be fun, and hopefully, uh, I don't, nothing, I like, I've read three of her essay collections this year that have ranged from very fun, but mm-hmm. still serious like a joking kind of take on it to oh god this took me two months to read because it's too much yes so hopefully it's more towards the first yes but i actually don't (laughs) i know i'm like oh we have two weeks oh boy (laughs) yes all right so we will see you in two weeks with difficult women um thanks for joining us and keep supporting your local libraries bye bye (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>